0: We've been talking, Sheila and I have been talking for some time about making a trip out to Seattle where our son and some more grandkids live. <laughs> and and so we've been talking about it, bantering around. And a couple of weeks ago, um, Sheila said, we got we to figure out when we're going and make our plane reservations. You know, she's practical like that. Um, so I said, yeah, you're right. So we started working on it and working on it. Text them back and forth with the kids, when would it be good, when, and I'm looking at pl- air, air flights, and, and I found some dates that would have been really inexpensive to fly. But as I'm starting to look, work on the airline reservations, I get this really strong nudge that that's not the dates we're supposed to travel. And I'm arguing with, with God about this because I'm going, God, th- this is cheapest. And and I've got enough scotch in my blood that I don't want to spend any more money than I absolutely have to. And he said, and he was insistent, I just the strong nudge that no, I'm supposed we're supposed to go on these dates, on a Monday through a Wednesday in October, not November, and and I, so I, the dates were clear with them out, out in Seattle. So I made the reservation, spent hundreds of dollars more than I wanted to spend. About a week and a half later, I get a text from my daughter in law. We do, we get a text from our daughter in law that says, Hey, I didn't realize it at the time when you were asking about dates, but the week that you're coming, the girls have half days all week long. And she said, I was split because I, I didn't want to take them out of school, um, but I didn't want them to miss the precious time with you. And so this works out perfect, and I got tears in my eyes, realizing that's why God nudged those dates. Is God really that intricately involved in our lives? Does He really want to be come alongside of us that way? And I went, God, could, couldn't you have made it cheaper? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have said that. Um, But no, you know why? Because it's worth it and and God has the money. God provides in order to do what He wants to do. And He wanted to give us that gift and He wants to use us to, to pour into our grandkids. If God cares that much about us, how much more in the big things, in the dangerous times, in the impossible situations, does He want to reach into our lives? As I was praying about the message for today, it came real strong that uh, this morning, that the story of Jehoshaphat is not just a story. It's not just God's history. This is an invitation for us to experience more than we realize God has for us. This is not just a, a, it's like watching a movie. It's not just a movie. These are, this is what God wants to do in our lives. It's not just about Jehoshaphat. It's about us. And this was really strong this morning when I was, when I was praying. Tell them this is about them. This is a model. This is an invitation. This is the picture of what God wants to do in our lives. This is the God that we serve. So we're going to pick it up. Ephesians chapter 3 that we read earlier. Um, verses 20 and 21 says, Now to him was able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, the Holy Spirit power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than all that we could ask or think. I didn't even think about God God can you is there a week when the girls are only going half day I, I didn't even know that. God does and I, and I have this picture of God up in heaven going, ah I'm going to delight them I'm going to give them something that's going to make them happy and when I delight them I'm going to be smiling too, because I love these people and he loves you and he wants you to experience what Jehoshaphat did so Strap on your seatbelt, because here we go. With God when he does the impossible. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, open your Bibles. Anybody need a Bible? Everybody got it? 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We've already been looking at this for a couple of weeks, so I'm going to fly through this first part. Um. But here's what, here's what we've seen so far. Here's the pattern that we've seen so far. The impossible comes to us. The impossible appears. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with, with verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are already at En The impossible surfaces. Verse 3, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So here's the pattern. The impossible appears and fear comes to us. We're afraid. um, Because it's impossible. Because it's dangerous. There are there are times when we face things that will strike terror in our lives. It can be a, a, um, a, an accident, it can be a situation, it can be a firestorm of some sort. It could be a physical ailment, it could be a relational issue. It could be, but there are times when we face things that are impossible. And the response is to seek God desperately with all that we've got. It can't be half-hearted. It's got to be all that we've got to seek God with everything that we've got. And so they turn to seek God. They assemble together. They, they turn to God to seek Him. The second part of the pattern is to go to God in the right way. To go to God in the right way. Now, understand, Jehoshaphat went to God in the right way. He did not go to God perfectly. I want you to hear that. Because you will never get it perfect. But you can do it with your whole heart and your whole soul. So don't worry about getting all the words right, all the prayers right. That's not the point. The point is having your heart right, not perfect. And so he goes to God. With praise, first of all, in verses 5 and 6, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O God, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God of heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. So he goes with praise. We need to start with praise. That's the first part of the pattern. Instead, we usually start with our needs. But we need to, be, we need to remind ourselves how big God is. Because if we're starting with our needs, our focus is on this horde of of soldiers that are coming to, that are threatening to kill us all, and we need to set that aside and go to God and see that God is bigger than the horde. God is bigger than the the medical problem. God is bigger than the financial problem. God is bigger than the relational problem. God is bigger. You got to see God is bigger, or you won't trust Him. You won't be obedient in, in ensuing times. So praise and then present the situation. To present. And this is all that we've talked about, but I'm just giving you words for it. Verse 7. He goes, he's, he's talking to God. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people of Israel? And give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name. Saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. His presence is in this house. In the Old Testament, God's temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory, the presence of God. And so they're going to God. In Ephesians, according to the power that is at work within us. Same presence. Same spirit. And so we go to Him. That's why we say, Go to your knees, because God is here. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom um, they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Here's the sh- so start with praise. God is so big. Then God, here's the situation. Lay it out before him, not for his benefit, but for yours, to see what is really there. You present it, you present it to him. And then, verse 12, you plead with God. You plead with God. Now, at this point, don't allow the control freak in you to begin to tell God what he has to do. At this point, You just lay, you you present it to God and you plead for him to work. Verse 12, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And last week I told you, circle that, put that on your refrigerator. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You just lay it before God. Praise, present, plead. And then what might be the hardest part of all is you wait. you wait. Look at what happens in verse 13. Meanwhile all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. They praised God, they presented Him with it, they pled to with him to work, and then they waited. Waiting and listening is so hard. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell you: if you, you can do everything else right, but if you don't get this right, you, you cancel out everything else. Mm-hmm. Because this will lead you, the failure to wait will lead you into disobedience. It will lead you into trying to solve it yourself. It will take back all the stuff that you've just said to God. And you, when you try to handle it on your own, waiting is so hard. And so they stood there. This wasn't just a two-hour prayer meeting. This was, they had been gathering. It had taken them days to get to this point, to stand there. We don't know how long they waited, but they waited. It's hard to wait. And, and it's one of the enemy's strategies to try to get us to take charge or to justify our actions when we haven't waited long enough to hear and see what God wants. It's what, it's what the devil did to Jesus in the wilderness. One of the temptations was, look at all the kingdoms of the world, I'll give you these. And what he was saying is, Jesus, you don't have to die. You don't have to go through all the difficult. I can give it to you. Why, why wait to become king? You can become king now. And that's the temptation he gives to all of us. It's hard because when we're waiting, we feel like the danger gets stronger. And we want to, we want to flee or we want to fight or we, want to, or, or, we, or we just freeze. But we don't want to just sit there and wait. But waiting is what leads to the good stuff. If we will wait. If we will follow. If we will obey. So you see, this is not just a story about Jehoshaphat. This is your story. This is what God wants for you. And we need to learn to wait. And we need to learn to walk alongside one another. And when we see each other taking steps, when we should be waiting, we need to, we need to call one another on it. Mm-hmm. Did God really say for you to do anything? Well, it just makes sense that I would do this. Plus, you'll have to resist good-meaning people who are telling you, well, you can't just sit there. You've got to do something. Even Christians, you can't just sit there. You just can't wait. <clears throat> now, if God's telling you to move, don't wait. Move. If God's telling you to wait, don't move. That's why we have to be so in alignment with him. We have to be so in step with him because he has such good stuff for us. This is not just the story of Jehoshaphat. It's to show us how to live. At this point, Jehoshaphat is there. All the people are there. All the priests are there. All the Levites are there. All the children are there. All the well the wives and everybody's there and they're waiting. And I what I would really like to think happen is that Jehoshaphat began to rub his hands and begin to think, This is gonna be good. That phrase seemed to be catching on around here. <laughs> this is going to be good. At this point, that's what we need to be saying. Because, you might want to write this down, it is impossible for God not to deliver on his promises. It is not in his character to be able to not deliver on his promises. Jehoshaphat had learned that over the years. He had had learned that so that when this big impossibility comes, he understands that and he mentions some of those promises in his prayers. He goes, God, you told us if, the, if we present ourselves here before you where your, your presence is in this temple that and we surrender, we repent, we come to you in obedience that you will take care of this. He knew that that was the promise of God. There are promises that God has made in your life that you can experience if you'll wait. But if you take control, if you jump out and you Begin to act before he tells you what to do. You will experience exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. If Jehoshaphat had not waited and said, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to go fight, they would have been destroyed. They would have been annihilated. (laughs) So he waited. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is just wait. It will be helpful is with while you're waiting, you begin to rub your hands together and say, This is going to be good. I don't know what he's going to do next, but this is going to be good. Just think if the disciples had had that ability at the crucifixion, instead of betraying him and running away and being fearful and hiding, if they could have, because he told them, but they didn't grasp it. What if they had gathered around going, Okay, I don't know what he's going to do? He's dead. I don't know what he's going to do, but this is going to be good. And then they go to the tomb, and he's still dead the next day. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. Because it was good. And at some point, we need to get enough history of experiencing God being good that we stop whining and fussing and being afraid. And just go to him, lay it out, praise, and then present and plead. And then, okay, God, I don't know what you're going to do. This is really hard. This is really painful. I don't, but I'm going to wait. And I don't know what it's going to be. But Ephesians chapter three says it will be exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. This is not just Jehoshaphat's story. This is our story and your family's story and this church's story. So it doesn't tell us how long they stood there. But they were all there. Everyone that was there because everyone was going to die if Jesus didn't show up. Or if God didn't show up. It is impo- if you didn't write it down, write it down. It's impossible for God not to deliver on his promises. It's impossible for God not to do what he tells us to do. Number four, then is we obey. We wait as long as we have to wait. We encourage each other while we're waiting. We pray with other, each other while we're waiting. We don't let people just, uh, just uh, wallow, wallow in their own stuff or, or just hang out there. But We wait together and pray and trust. And then when we obey, the good stuff happens. The good, this I'm telling you, it's not just Jehoshaphat's story. This is what God offers to us. They obeyed. So they hear God respond. You wait long enough and God will speak. It might be through somebody else. It might be through a teacher. It might be as you're reading the Bible. It might be as you're praying. But God will speak. Verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeh... I don't know how to pronounce that. The son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. The Holy Spirit decided he's... God's Spirit decided he's going to talk through this one. We never hear about him before. We never hear about him after. But on this occasion, because they were standing there waiting, God said, okay, I'll talk through that one. God responds. Verse 15. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. Thus says the Lord. It's not some great idea. It's not some positive thinking. It's the Lord. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. It's done. That's it. That's what we need to hear. That's that's it. If we wait and listen for God and watch for what he wants to do and what he has to say, we'll hear the same thing. This isn't your battle. Why? Because you've given your life to him and now you belong to him. He is your master. He's your Lord. And so he's responsible for all the stuff that's happening. So you can rest in him. So this battle, no, no battle you face is ever yours again. That's why, you know, when stuff breaks down in our house, that's when I like to say, God, your stove broke. <laughs> right? Wow. This is yours. He knows it. So, okay, God, you want us to fly to Seattle and pay hundreds of dollars more? Okay, it's your, it's your bank account. He'll pro- and he provides. Because it's his battle. And so whatever you're facing, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, it's not yours if you are following Him. You go to Him, give it to Him, and then wait, listen to what He has to say. And He'll say this, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says it all the time. 366 times through the Bible, don't be afraid. Why? Because the battle is not yours. It's God's. It speaks to the lie of fear. It's a lie. Anytime um, that you're afraid, the lie will be um, you, you need to give in to the fear. What, we've, what we find in this story is they're afraid, but they're in awe of God even bigger. It's not the fear goes away. It's that God's bigger. I don't know. They as they're waiting, their knees may have been knocking. They may have been shaking in their boots. They may have been, you know, running to the bathroom because they're just their whole system's out of whack. They but they were still coming back and standing before God until they hear him. And then they obey. Verse 16. And so the next verse is is this back and forth like a pendulum. Don't be afraid, here's what to do. Don't be afraid, here's what to do. Verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the, of the valley, east of the wilderness. You will not need to fight in this battle. Now he could have said to them, You're going to have to fight, and here's how to do it. In this case, he goes, No, you're not going to have to fight. Stand firm, hold your position, and see. And if you if you uh, mark your Bible, mark, circle, underline the word see. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. You're going to watch it. You're not going to have to participate in it. There are times when God will say that to you. Just take a step back and watch what I do. And don't get in the way. Oh, Jude and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. He could have told them to do anything. He could have, he could have done it any way he wanted. In this case, he says, you're not going to have to fight this one. You're just going to stand, you're going to watch, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord. What's the response when you hear God? Immediate action? No. No. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord worshiping the Lord. The right response when you hear God speak is to worship Him first. Honor Him. Bless Him. Praise Him. Before you take up the action, praise Him. Praise Him. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And then keep in step. Keep in step. So once we obey, the good stuff begins to happen. They heard God's voice. That's how the good stuff begins. And then, just keep in step with God. Keep in step with God, because... He doesn't, he doesn't send us off to do something. He walks with us to do it. That's why Galatians 5, if we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step and keep up. <laughs> that came to mind for some of you. Keep in, we need to keep up because sometimes we hesitate. We just need to keep going. So verse 20, they obeyed. They rose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. He heard from God. He believed him. He said, We're going to obey. We're going to see God work. This is going to be good. I don't know what's going to happen. He didn't tell us. But he said, we're not going to have to fight. So he decides to uh, um, arrange the army in a different kind of way. Verse 21. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. The band went first. The singers went first. Why? Praise led the way. He said they're not going to have to fight. We're not going to need the army, are we? Well, they might have to mop up or something, so we'll keep them. But the key people are going to be those who are praising God, honoring God, worshiping God. They went before the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 22, look at this, watch this. And when they began to sing and praise, when they began to sing and praise, when they obeyed God to honor him, to praise him, not, um, not to send the, the soldiers first. They began to praise and honor him. They gave God his rightful place. When they began to sing and praise God, then the Lord set the ambush. Why? Because they, ha- they were aligning themselves with him and they were giving him access. The Lord set an ambush, and here's where it really gets good. Watch what happens. The men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. Are you kidding me? Here's these three groups of people who are coming as one against Judah will destroy them, annihilate them. And now two of them turn on the, the one army. Why? We don't know. But after they get done with that army, they've been fighting together against it. Now they turn on each other and they destroy everybody. Everybody. That doesn't make any sense, does it? God doesn't really do that, does he? The miraculous, the that's just a story in the Old Testament. No, it's your story. And it's my story. God will do the impossible. <laughs> Stay focused on God. I got a lot of notes that I'm skipping over here. Just by, I'm just trying to figure out what we got time for. So, keep in step. Keep up. And then finally, accept what God does. Accept what God gives you. So he's taking care of all. They don't know. So Judah, Jehoshaphat, Judah are marching along. They don't know what's happened. Remember what God said? See, watch and see what the Lord does. Verse 24, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked Remember verse 17? See this. They're going to see the salvation. So they get to this place. They look where, and they can see where the horde is. They look toward the horde. And behold, there were dead bodies on the ground. No, none. That, when does that happen? I mean, surely there's a straggler that you know, was hanging out at the back and he's going to run home. None. It's, God did the miraculous in the impossible. None had escaped. That would have been enough because they'd been rescued. They went from threat of annihilation to no threat at all. They were safe. But remember Ephesians chapter 3, exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine. Verse 25. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil... They found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things. Not only did they kill them, then God just says, everything you see is yours. All the spoils. Precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They went from the threat of annihilation to being wealthy in a moment. Not because of anything that they did, except that they sought God with all their heart. There were three days, three days it took them in taking the spoil because it was so much. Every impossible, you might want to write this down too. Every impossible situation in your life is, an, is a setup for God to ambush the enemy and work in ways that you can't imagine. Amen. You can't imagine. It, it, it'll be different than, than ways that you think. I don't, know what, I don't know what Judah thought they would see when they looked over the hill, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything like that. They took home, it took three days. On the fourth day, verse 26, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place has been called the valley of Barakah. Berakah, which Berakah means praise. So for the rest of their lives, probably generations, that valley would be called the Valley of Praise and so children would say, well why is it named that? And they would tell the story again about how God took care of an impossible situation. And that's what God wants to do in our lives too. Not just us, but our children and our grandchildren and, and our, and our, and our nieces and nephews and friends and anybody else that sees then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head returning to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies they came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord and they so they praised again they worshipped again why because it was all about God It was all about what God had done. And the fear of the Lord came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. You see it wasn't just about Jehoshaphat. God allowed all of this so that the nations around would know that there's a God in Jerusalem. That they would know that Jehovah is the one and only God. He does it all through the Old Testament. He does it all through the New Testament. Everything is a setup so that He can be seen as miraculous and powerful and overwhelming. And He benefits the people who are aligned with Him and allow Him to use them for that. And so from that point on everybody's going, we're not messing with Joshua. Why would we do that? Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. This is not just Jehoshaphat's story. This is your story. This is your story. This is the invitation that God gives to each one of us to experience the miraculous in the unseen Primarily, the, 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 the most precious gift of all is, is His presence within us and the fruit of the Spirit that He gives. The love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The pleasure of being in, in tune with Him. But then, in addition to that is making sure when you go to Seattle that your grandkids can be available and visit with them. If God is for us, who can be against us? He says in Romans chapter 8. Now I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you're not dealing with much now. But I guarantee you before long you will be. Because that's just the way life is. And God allows it so that he can show that he's bigger. Would you bow your heads? I really like getting to this part of the story. The good stuff. When God shows up. In ways that are beyond comprehension. But Jehoshaphat doesn't get there with a whole lot of without a whole lot of angst. With being tempted to fear and run. And that might be where you're at. But you need to know that God will help you through the angst. He'll help you when you're sitting in those places of uncertainty. When you're not sure, all you have is God's promise that he will be with you and he will take care of things, but he doesn't say how. And the devil will work hard to get you to try to take charge of the situation. To try to, to make it right. To try to do what you think is best when he's saying wait. You have to live with the angst in order to get to the good stuff. So if you're living in angst, understand the Spirit of God will be enough. It's it's at Romans 8.26. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. He will be enough. So if you're sitting in an uncertain place, lean into Him. If you're sitting in a fearful place, lean into Him. If you're facing an impossibility, follow this pattern. Or maybe you're sitting in a place where you're, you're experiencing some of God's work. He's doing some impossible things right now and you're enjoying it. Enjoy it, celebrate it, praise Him. But know that every situation is a setup that God wants to arrange in order to ambush the enemy and bring good things. Lord, I pray for each one of these folks. I pray for all of us that you would drive this lesson deep into our souls and use this as a pattern for our lives in trust so that you truly are God in our lives and you truly are bigger. Lord, I pray that you would point at those areas where we need to surrender more, listen better, And then show us how. I pray for um, those that are really struggling right now, wondering if they're going to make it. In this moment, Holy Spirit, would you overwhelm them with a sense of your presence? Would you overwhelm them with a sense of confidence in you that, that is supernatural? Would you chase the fear to the side and replace the fear with how big you are? in the depths of their souls. God, I pray that you would give us supernatural spirit eyes to see what you see and then courage to act as you want us to act. Lord, for each person here, pray in this moment they would sense your presence. They would lean into you, surrender a little bit more and let you be God. Lord, make... Jehoshaphat's story, our story, by leading us into the impossible. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.